Let's, uh, well, let's leave, read the scripture while everyone's standing. I want to speak on the prophet and the prostitute. I'll explain that more in a second. Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land has committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your grace. Lord, as I, just, as I look at this topic and how you led me to this, it, it feels very strange, feels very different to me being more of an evangelistic message. But Lord, I, I pray that you would just take this uh, weak, unworthy vessel, Lord, and help me to step out of the way that you would speak to the heart of your people. Just, just anoint, Lord, and every heart that's listening, the ones here in front of me and the ones listening on the Internet, those listening uh, to the recording, Lord, move in a mighty way in lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to look at Hosea and Gomer. Look at their relationship in light of God's love for us personally. Um, this is something I've, I've had this general thought on my heart for a few months about Brother Larry, God bless you, good to see you. I've, uh, I've had it on my heart for a few months about restoration of the backsliders. Um, there's people that have been hurt. There's people that have been um, made bad choices in their life. Um, they've left church. They're not walking with God now or they're doing it their own way, but they're hurting, and it isn't working well for them. There are people on there on the internet who are struggling and are close to falling away. I want to bring a message to you from the heart of God to the broken, the hurting, the struggling, the backslider. God has grace for you. And we have grace in our hearts for you also. Amen. Amen. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the word. He wants you. He loves you. His arms are open. So Hosea here is called of God to be a prophet. To proclaim the word of the Lord. But God is going to do something different here. He's not just going to have him be a preacher of the word. He's actually setting up his life to express a prophecy and in fact express the very heart of God. He is called and told to go marry a prostitute and have children by her. They have three children. So 
The three children are named Jezreel, which means God will sow. Which, if you look at the, the, the prophecy here, it's speaking of God's judgment. God is going to judge his people. Then the other one is Loruhama. Has no meaning to us. Literally, this name means no mercy. So they named their child no mercy. Then their next child is Loami, which is, means not my people. So they have three children. God will sow, no mercy, and not my people. So we're not minimizing at all God's wrath, God's judgment, God's holiness, God's call to living a life that's a reflection of him by any means. These names deeply, deeply reflect God's purpose that he will call us all into judgment. But, but, there's a bigger picture going on here. Hosea 2, 5 through 8. For their mother hath played the harlot. She's that conceived them has done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find. This is Hosea. That she shall not find her paths and she shall follow after her lovers. She's, she's still going away from Hosea. She's still playing the part of a prostitute. But she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than with now. So the picture is, Hosea took this prostitute to himself. All right, had children by her. Now she goes out to find lovers, to make money, right, with prostitution. But then she says, oh, this, uh, this isn't working for me. I'm going to go to my first husband. Who was her first husband? I mean, he really, really wasn't much of a husband. Her first husband was basically a pimp, was selling her out to other people to make money off of her body. And Hosea took her from that to love her, to care for her, to cherish her, to take care of her. And yet she can't be satisfied. She can't be satisfied with a man that would live godly, that would take care of her, that would be kind to her, would be good to her, would meet her needs, etc. She couldn't be satisfied with that. Verse 8, For she did not know that I gave her corn, and wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. So here, here is Hosea. He's providing for her. He's given her corn, wine, oil, silver, gold. And what does she do with it? She takes it. She doesn't realize it's from. She thinks it's from someone else. She doesn't realize Hosea was providing these things for her. And what does she do? She takes it and offers it to Baal. Baal is the enemy of Jehovah. So she takes what's a gift from Jehovah and offers it 
to Baal. It's a blessing from God. And she turns around and uses it to give to God's enemy. The picture is awful. So again, let's back up. Gomer goes out at night, betrays Hosea with her lovers. That is speaking of the sinful, broken, destroyed, evil life that Gomer was living. She was in rebellion. She was rebelling against God, completely unfaithful. Can you imagine the heart of that young prophet? Here he was told by God, go find a prostitute. Marry her. He marries her. No doubt he loved her. No doubt he was providing for her. No doubt he was working to provide for her needs and do everything he could to take care of her. And yet she was unfaithful, continually going out. Just just think about it. Not only was he rejected, you realize that the result of Hosea's ministry was Israel was taken into captivity. So Israel, the ten tribes, rejected his message. And then you go further, even in his own home, he's hated and rejected. She's going out and living with other men. And what does he do? Provides corn, wine, oil, silver, gold. His love is what? For Gomer. Unconditional. It's not based on her behavior, what she does. She, she goes out and what is... She, he, he, buy, he ends up buying her back from that first husband, which he already bought her, bought, <laughs> bought her from him for. Think about that. And she's there again with the first husband making money for a wicked man while Hosea and his children no doubt are at home weeping over what is happening about his wife. The children, think about the children. They didn't understand. Why is mom, mom's not like the other moms? Why is she continually going out? Where is she going? Dad, what could he say? What could he tell him? It's absolutely heartbreaking to think about. And she returns back home. What's there? Hosea, gifts, blessings. What does she do? Turns around, gives it to the enemies. Gives it to the evil one. And again, this process repeats and repeats and repeats. This is expressing the relationship between God and his people. God is there. He's he's blessing. He's providing. His love is unconditional. People are going, and what are they doing? Rebelling, turning against him, playing the prostitute against him. God places then a hedge of thorns right there. Think about that. He puts a hedge of thorns. What is the hedge of thorns that's placed there for? It's beautiful. He's, what is it? It's, it's trials, it's pains, it's sufferings. What is the pain and suffering to do? Keep them, keep her Keep his wife in the right way. Those things that we we count that are pain, it's actually a loving God saying, come back to me. I want you. I want you walking in the right way. 
Hosea 6.1 says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. After all of these things that God does for the unfaithful backslider, and they continue to rebel, what does God do to them in Hosea? Does he reject them? Does he turn away from them? No. God returns to them. Isn't that beautiful? Hosea 2, 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Look at this. After all that she did that we read there, God says, behold, I will allure her. I will, I'm going to do something to attract her to me. And I'll bring her into the wilderness. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I will speak comfortably unto her. Wow. After all that, after the way she treated you, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to speak. I'm going to allure you. I'm going to draw you back to myself. And I'm going to speak comfortably to you. Wow. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Think about that. What is that talking about? That's talking about restoration. You've been ruined. You've been destroyed. Your life is a disgusting wreck. And God says what? I want you. I want you for myself. You've backslid. You're, 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 You're in a horrible place, you're in a horrible condition. And God is not downplaying that at all. He's exposing all of that. But what is he doing? He's saying, I want you for myself. I will give you vineyards. I'll give you the valley of Achor for a door of hope. He's going to give you a door of hope. You'll sing there as in the days of your youth. Do you think God can't restore you? You think God can't bring you to a place where he's cleansed your heart? He's changed your, 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 your whole mind and taken you to a place where your life is no longer ruined and destroyed? God can do that. Why can he do that? The word says he can do it. It's not my idea. It's not my thought. God says it's possible. You can be restored. You can be just restored as the days of your youth. God will wipe the whole thing clean. Amen. He will cleanse the whole thing. The blood of Christ is sufficient to do that. To cleanse every sin. To bring you to that place. Like when you first came out of the land of Egypt, you were rejoicing in the presence of God. The days of your youth. Wow. Verses 19 through 23. And I'm going to read this in the ESV just because uh, the names at the end are a little bit more clear. Otherwise it all has the same, same meaning there. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. Don't separate these verses from what was said before. What a ruined, terrible life, giving the blessings of God 
as a sacrifice to Baal. This is God speaking. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Which one of you men, if you married a woman and she went back, she went and became a prostitute, would you say, oh, come, come home. Everything's ready. Dinner's on the table. Everything's, everything's fine. I want to renew our vows together. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. But God, in his great mercy, his unconditional love says, I know you've committed adultery against me, but come back. Let's renew our vows. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will, so Jezreel is firstborn child. And I will sow her. You see that? I will sow. God will sow Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. That's one of the names. I'll have mercy on this child of yours who's named no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Wow. Isn't this incredible love? It is God in his perfect wisdom and his perfect love. He doesn't, he doesn't, throw, away, he doesn't throw away what he started. He also doesn't hide the fact you're wrong. You did wrong. You're, going, you're under judgment. There's no mercy now. You're not my people. But he says, hey, you can be restored. You backslid. You went away. You turned away from God. But he will call you again. And he'll say, you are my people. And you'll answer back, you're my God. This is the God of all mercy. This is the God of that restores all things. This is not only a picture of Israel. It's not only a picture of the restoration of the church. It's a picture of individuals. It's a picture of people. God can restore. If you have something in your heart that says, I want God. He will bring you back. You can come back. The person that can't come back is the one who says, I hate God and I don't want to come back and I never want to come back. And hey, what? guess what? You might say that and God might change your mind. He might change your heart and you'll, you can come back then. We can't count anyone out. Here's why we can't count anyone out. The Apostle Paul. Paul says I was a blasphemer. And it's the, Jesus said if someone blasphemes the Holy Spirit, there's no forgiveness for them. But Paul, what? He says he did it ignorantly, in unbelief. So isn't that what everybody does? <laughs> in unbelief, ignorantly, when they blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Maybe, maybe not. There's some that may do it willfully, understanding it's the Holy Spirit, and in hatred, Reject it. But the fact is, 
That's up to God to discern all that stuff. It's not up to me to figure that out. It's up to God to figure it out. If that person who has blasphemed, as Paul blasphemed, wants to repent and come back, come on back. (laughs) The door is open. Our hearts are open, and for sure God's heart is open. Hosea 3. And I want to say again, this Gomer is not, she was so untrue. You can't get more untrue to a husband than this woman was. It's completely impossible to be more untrue than she was. And God says, I'll restore you. I'll restore you back to your condition when you are youth. You say it's not possible. They went through this. They'll reap this. They'll reap that. Okay, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm just referring to the scripture that says, I'll restore you back like your youth. Is anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. So Hosea 3, 1 and 2. After all this, after the promise, then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who took to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her, brought her, bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and an om, half omer of barley. Look at that. What happened? She went away. She turned away. She went back to her lovers. And he goes back again and buys her. Think about it. This is not just one instance of backsliding. (laughs) This is continual, constant backsliding. And this is continual, constant, unconditional love. And that is the heart of God. Hosea 11, verse 7. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they have called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. My people are bent on backsliding. And yet, does his love change? Does it differ? I mean, we'll continue to read more of these scriptures, but let's look at what Brother Branham says, 1962, in questions and answers. And my people are... Uh, now, now, if you, there is a place that you can cross where you can't get back, but when that is, you're down there again in the same shape you was. It goes to show you you only fell from grace. Backsliding is not lost. I want somebody to tell me where backsliding is lost and prove it to the Bible. Backslider is not lost. He's just out of fellowship. Israel backslid, but they never lost their covenant. They lost their praises and joy. David lost the joy of his salvation when he took Bathsheba. Uriah's wife, but he never lost his salvation. He never said, restore to me my salvation. said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Oh, there's so much of this legalism today. Touch not, taste not. You don't do things legally. Amen. Hosea 14, verse 4. So, we saw before, my people are bent on backsliding. Now look at this verse. 
I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. Oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. I will heal their... If you're, a, if you're in a condition of backsliding, you're here or you're listening in, God will heal that. God wants you back. We want you back. We love you. And he loves you a lot more than we do. And he says, my anger is turned away from you. But, but how, how, how is it possible? How can I do it? Just come. <laughs> Just come. He says, I will heal it. So accept it. Accept your healing. We, we accept physical healing. But if you're backsliding, accept your healing from backsliding. Because God said he'll love you freely and his anger will turn away from you. Questions and answers, the law having a shadow in 1954. And God had to put her away sometime back there on account of spiritual fornications. Is that right? And then he returned again and received her again and married her and said he was married to a backslider. Is that right? The wife that had gone away from him. He's married. He's betrothed. He's renewing his vows to you tonight. Amen? Redemption by power. When you see the church going in this great exodus, see the pillar of fire leading before us, standing, performing miracles and signs. He's here tonight in all his redeeming power. He is here to make whole every sinner, to take, every, take back every backslider. He's here to heal every sick person. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? You don't have an excuse anymore, backslider. <laughs> You can't stay back. He's here. He's here, the Lord. The pillar of fire. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. To take back the backslider. God's bringing you back. Come back. Let's look at some parables that testify of God's love. Luke 15, 4 through 7. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he layeth it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now I want to point out to you, who is this talking about? This is talking about, this is Jesus. He's that shepherd. And this is talking about sheep in the fold. One going out and getting lost in the wilderness. Think about that for a minute. And a sheep is defenseless, right? They they don't have, they're not going to bite anybody. They're not going to bite a wolf to get protected. You know, they need the protection of the flock and the shepherd. Both of those things together. And without that, 
they're helpless and they're hopeless. And they will find themselves in terrible, terrible circumstances. Uh, bloody, battered perhaps, caught up. Maybe their, maybe their wool gets caught up in some thorns and they're, and they're, they're wounded. They're, they're broken. They're hurt. And who is the one that goes after them? Jesus. Now, we want to put this on the pastor or another person, but I want, I want to inform you tonight, the good shepherd is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's the one said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. If you're backslidden, if you've gone out, if, if you've strayed away, he's looking for you right Amen. now. He put this on message on my heart. Why? Because he's looking for you. He's searching for you. And how long will he look for you? What does it say? And go after that which is lost until he find it. So you can continue to resist coming back to him. But he is, you might give up on yourself, but he is not going to give up on you. He is not going to leave you. He is going to search and search. Even if, even if it costs him pain, even if it costs him time in the wilderness without food, cold, maybe, maybe hurt, <laughs> maybe he gets a wound. Maybe he gets injured in his search. Maybe he gets attacked by a wolf. But he's going to continue to search until he finds you. That's his love. You might resist, but instead of resisting, why don't you just surrender? Because he's not, he's not going to stop coming after you. <laughs> he won't be resisted. He won't be stopped. He won't be blocked. It just depends on how far you want to go and how much, how, how much thorns you want put in your way. Because he's, he's coming for you because he loves you. You, you. you might think, well, God doesn't love me. He doesn't care. These thorns, they hurt. It's evidence that God does not love me. It's evidence that God doesn't care. He, I've had all this pain, and it's God's fault. I'm sorry you've had that pain. We're all sorry you've had that pain. But the fact is, is that you, you, you don't realize that it's God's love putting a thorn in the way to protect you from what's on the other side of that, there's a book written back in the 1600s called uh, the uh, Hedge of Thorns, and in this book, the little uh, there's a little boy. He's just so fascinated with what's on the other side of this hedge of thorns, and he's wondering, I want to get over there. Maybe it's the Garden of Eden over there. It's beautiful, and there's fruits, and there's delights, and my parents and this city. This village that I live in is trying to keep good things from me on the other side. And so he's so obsessed 
you know, he gets a ladder and he tries to climb over it only to hurt himself. Then he gets his sister, she's littler, he tries to push her through. It causes her to lose, uh, uh, get, get a scar, permanent scar, because of him doing that. And, and so he, 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 he does that and realizes his parents say, if you would have been successful at getting past the hedge of thorns, it's a cliff, it's a precipice, and you'll fall off and die. The reason why that hedge of thorns is there, was put there, was because the man that owns this land, his children fell off that ledge and died. And he doesn't want any more children and parents and families to suffer. So he placed that hedge of thorns there to block any children, foolish children, from falling into that precipice. So you've maybe suffered pain, suffered hurt, and, and I'm, you know, again, none of us are happy about that. None of us are rejoicing over that. Our heart aches, our heart breaks. We would never have that for you. And yet the thing that you think is God being angry with you or hating you is the very opposite. It's God trying to protect you. It's God calling you back to himself. He's broken, but he will heal. It's, it's, it's a hedge of protection that he's placed there. A hedge of thorns is a hedge of protection to try to keep you from going too far and destroying your life. He's calling you back to himself. The tender hand of Jehovah calling you, saying, I love you. Come, come back to me. And look at the rejoicing that's there. When he's found it, before we do that, but when he's found it, look at the care that he has. He lays it on his shoulders. The strong shoulders of Jesus Christ. To the backslider, I'm telling you right now, Jesus wants to come and pick you up. And put you on his shoulders. And carry you back to the full, back to the place of safety. I'm not saying this church. Right. The, the, I'm saying in Christ. Yeah. Walking in fellowship with him and fellow believers. He lays it on his shoulders and takes tender care to heal all those wounds and hurts and things that you've gone through that, that have caused damage in your life. He will heal them. And then when he comes home with his lost sheep, he throws a party. <laughs> he, re- he says, come on, come on, rejoice with me, for I found you, the backslider. That's his love. Another backslider, Lot, Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Brother Branham says to look at this story as the love of God, a picture of the love of God. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elisar, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and Beersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, 
and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. Let's skip ahead to verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan, and he divided against himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Think of that as a picture of God's love for the backslider. Lot was an important man in the city of Sodom, a wicked, a wicked and a vile city. He was taken captive by the devil. He was a backslider. He turned away from walking with God. But Abraham saw that he was taken captive and he said, I cannot let this continue. I am going to arm myself and my angels (laughs) and we're going to go out and we're going to see that my family is saved. Without any experience, Abraham straps on his sword took his servants out, and reclaimed his family. This is a picture of God's love, God's heart for the backslider. Think of of Abraham when the Lord came down and met him and told him the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sin is grievous. And what did Abraham do? He says, oh, oh, (laughs) lots down there. I know he's not in a good, he and his family are in a bad condition, but if there's any, any righteous there, Lord, will we, if there's this many, this many, this many, this many, this many, keeps reducing it down, surely the Lord wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. So that, again, that's the heart of God. I think that should be our heart for those who are backsliding. Not to kick dirt in their face when they're down, but to say, my arms are open and God's arms are open. We love you and he loves you. Moses, another picture. They're, they're down. Moses is on the mountain. And they're, they're down and they're, uh, they've made a molten calf. They're worshiping it, sacrificing it to it. To it. And God says, I'm going to destroy them and make a great nation of you, Moses. And, and Moses intercedes. He says, no, no. And, and as Brother Branham said, it seems like God, Moses was giving God a better idea than God had. But what is it? It's that picture of Christ. Yes. Amen. The spirit of Christ. These are rebels. They weren't just rebelling against God. They were rebelling also against Moses. Ultimately, it was against God. But they, they mistreated Moses. They were ready to stone Moses. And they were constantly threatening and complaining against Moses. But what, what was Moses' heart? These guys are a bunch of rebels. They don't know anything. F- fools. Yeah, destroy every one of them. 
Start over with me. No, Lord, don't do that. Don't do that. This is a stiff-necked people, but have mercy. Have mercy upon them. Lord, give us that heart for the backslider. It's the heart of Christ. Let's see where we're at here. Um, Let's look in Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me this portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Here he is terrible backslider. Later, his brother says they spend his inheritance on harlots. So he went living, living, quote-unquote, the good life, the perverted life, the life that leads to destruction. Amen. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would, fa- he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave, to, gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. And I love this. But when he was a great way up, this is the heart of God to the backslider, to the sinner. He was a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran. And fell on his son's neck and kissed him. This is what God is telling you tonight, backslider. Sinner. He loves you so much that when he sees you, his heart is filled with compassion. He raises up. He doesn't feel shame to express his love in this way. He runs. He runs to you. And he puts his head on your shoulder and weeps your back. Your back. And the son said unto him, Father, here's repentance. This is what you need to do. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. But look at the father's response. Father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. This is God's heart for you. For each of us. This is his rejoicing. 
He sees you and he sa- you say, I'm not, I can't even, I'm, I've lived such a life, I don't even deserve to be called by your name. And what does he say? <laughs> he doesn't even acknowledge it. <laughs> he calls, hey, bring the robe, the best one, my best robe, my best robe. Bring my best robe for my son, put it on him, give him, give him that ring again. No doubt he had a ring, right? What did he do? <laughs> Spent it on food and drink and harlots. But he says, I'm going to restore everything back to you. All your inheritance, everything that you threw away. Everything that you said, look, I, I just want to spend this on my lust. God says, I'm going to give you back everything from my kingdom. All of your spiritual inheritance, I will give it back to you. Don't tell me he can't restore you like you are in your youth again. Amen. Amen. The blood of Christ makes you pure. You're purified by the blood so that you stand in his sight as though you never sinned in the first place. That is how you can be like your youth when you first came out of the land of Egypt. This, my son, was dead. He was in deadness of sin. Musicians, if you'd come. He was in the dead, absolutely dead in sin. And what is it? He's alive again. Now again, Brother Branham said, doesn't mean, doesn't mean the backslider is lost. It's just in their condition, they were walking in deadness. Right? But it's not as though they're lost. They lost the joy of their salvation. How can I be restored? How can I come back into fellowship? Humble yourself in the sight of God. Repent. Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast lost thy first, left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove my candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Just want to close with this quote from Brother Branham, 1955, In the Waters of Separation. She told me her story, and it was enough to grind the heart of a stone man. How that she once was raised in a Christian home and Methodist parent who went to church and did what was right. She married a husband, he started drinking, she had daughters, and they were even members of the church themselves. And How she took the road that was wrong, she said, I've sinned away my day of grace. I said, look, do you still have respect for the Lord Jesus? She said, I do, sir. I said, then he hasn't left you. I said, no, he's still got mercy for you. I said, you think he'd receive me right like this? said, yes, ma'am. I took her by the hand, knelt down there at that place, and brother, we broke that place up into a prayer meeting when we led her to the Lord Jesus. Yes, there's still mercy. 
Come to him. Repent. Repent. Get on your knees. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, and just thinking of the people that whose lives have been and ruined and and in the condition of backsliding, Lord. And if they're not listening now, I pray that they would would uh, tune and listen to this message, and that you would just renew their hearts, fulfill the promise that's in your word that you would restore them, that your love, that you would renew, even renew your vows with them, that you would betroth them to yourself once again, Lord. As long as they have in their heart a respect for you, Lord, they can come back. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank for you for this glorious love, this unconditional love, this restoration love. We thank you, Father. We just want to lift you up and glorify you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Matt. Almighty God, the great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord. Victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, the mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever saw him run, was when he ran to me, he took me in his arms, held my Said my son's come home again Lifted my face Wiped the tears from my eyes With forgiveness in his voice He said, son, do you know I still love you? He caught me by surprise When God The day I left home, I knew I'd broken his heart. And I wondered then if things could ever be the same. Then one night, I remembered his love for me. And down that dusty road, Ahead I could see It was the only time It was the only time I ever saw him run And then he ran to me He took me in his arms Held my head to his chest Said my son's come home again Lifted my face Wiped the tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice he said son do you know i still love you he called me by surprise 
he brought me to my knees when God ran. I was so ashamed and all alone and so far away. Oh, but now I know that he's been waiting. Tears from my eyes With forgiveness in his voice I felt his love for me again He ran to me He took me in his arms Held my head to his chest Said my son's come home again Lifted my face Wiped the tears from my eyes With forgiveness in his voice He said, son He called me son so thankful for the heart of God expressed in this way. How great is his love. You can never get to the end of it. It's infinite. Never. You never come to the end of his love for his elect. He always goes after them. He always has that heart of compassion to receive them back. 